The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. King Herod heard of the disciples preaching, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. He solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So last week, I'm going to ask you to think back seven whole days. Last week, those of us who had spent time in Houston for the table and for the ELCA youth gathering, we were welcomed home. We took time to let you experience snapshots of what life was like in Houston, where we spent time with other of our friends from the Southern Ohio Synod, where we served throughout the Houston area, and where we gathered to hear speakers tell us about how God's call and love and grace and hope change everything. And then those of us who could stayed for a lunch where we heard even more stories and saw a slideshow of most of the pictures from the trip so you actually got to see the things that we had talked about earlier. We brought that mountaintop experience back home to share with you all. And then seven days later, we get a gospel text like this one. And quickly, the mountaintop, you will see it, but we are clearly not on it anymore. We have entered down into a valley. Even though over the last few weeks we have heard some lovely stories from the gospel according to Mark, stories about seeds that grow into these enormous shrubs and stories about Jesus calming a storm and stories about a girl being raised from the dead and a woman being healed because she had touched Jesus' robe. 
We've heard stories the past few weeks about peace and healing and restoration and not to be found today in this gospel reading. Instead, we get a story of power and of what happens when you break the law and a story that is driven by shame-filled actions. Because Herod has gotten word about what Jesus is about and what he has been up to. All of those telling of parables and calming storms and healing people. And Herod has also heard that he has disciples who have been sent out to tell others about those things and they have the same ability to heal people. So his disciples are legit. But Herod believed that Jesus wasn't Jesus, believed that he was John the Baptist who had come back from the dead because others had told him, well, that's probably who Jesus is because you had him beheaded, so now he's back. It's not how it works, but it's what he thought. So Herod heard this, and then he remembered this whole scene that is recounted in our gospel story today. A story that leaves out the point that Herod had divorced his first wife and Herodias had divorced her husband, Herod's brother, because they liked one another better. And at that point, that was not grounds for divorce and that was not what you did. And if you did it, you were breaking the law. This is a story that makes sure we know that John the Baptist had told them both that they were breaking the law. And Herodias was the one who held the grudge and waited for her moment to be rid of this John the Baptist, this prophet problem. This is a story that implies that Herod also wanted to be rid of this John the Baptist problem because his stepdaughter was still young enough to ask her mother what she should ask for, and yet he gave her the power and authority to request and be granted someone's life because she asked for it. This is a story that Herod thought was over. But now it's circled around again because here is another prophet with another different and more radical message. And even more disciples that are reminding those in power that they have an obligation to care for those not in power and not rig the system so that they always get what they want. Herod thought he had everything he wanted. Power over part of the Roman Empire. He had devoted leaders and subjects who showed up for his birthday. He was married to the woman he wanted, and she also loved him back. And he had the ability to make people disappear kind of like the mafia, if they made his life difficult. So quickly, through a rumor that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead, everything Herod had placed his trust in came crashing down and was replaced by shame and doubt and fear. But really... Those had been present the whole time because those were the driving forces. Those were the motivations behind every action he had taken. 
that fear and that anxiety that had been there the whole time, cheering him on as he accumulated more and more power, as it motivated him in his decisions. So my question is, what is it that motivates you? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it shame? Is it loneliness? Is it not being a part of the group you would want to be a part of? Is it not feeling like you're worthy? Is it not wanting other people or even yourself to know that you are not perfect? Because until we know what our motivation is, it controls us. Until we can name it, we are held captive by it. Because it's through the naming of things that bind us that we realize that those things are not God. Shame is not God. If everything I do is motivated by fear, fear is not God. Because it has been named fear. So by naming these things, we realize that maybe they don't have as much power over us. But God does. Because God has promised to be bound to us through the waters of our baptisms. It is God who turns our eyes outward by binding us to one another and commanding us to love and care for and support one another. It is God who makes all things new through some water and some words. But even in spite of that, we are still human, which means we are created with this survival instinct. At our core, we look for how to fit in and be part of a community and how to have enough things to make sure that our basic needs are met. We are designed to strive for a way to get the most amount of stuff while putting in the least amount of effort as possible. Right? We are designed to think for our own preservation. But God's love flips that instinct, it flips our fears and our shame and our stories on their heads. Because it's love that comes to us through and in these valleys to get us to the other side. Sometimes following us and sometimes leading us and sometimes walking side by side with us and sometimes getting in front of us and turning around and pulling on our hands and pulling us through to get out of the darkness of the valley and in to the light again. See, last week's stories created this mountaintop, and then this week's stories created a valley. But valleys are not the end of the story. Because even though Herod gave the order for John the Baptist to be killed, there were still John's disciples and Jesus' disciples who made sure that the message of God's love and grace and hope and mercy and justice made it 
all throughout history to today. Friends, we are disciples. So we have some work to do to make sure that that message doesn't stop right here at St. Paul Lutheran Church at 10.20, 10 whatever, 10.09 in the morning. We have work to do to make sure that that message continues on so that other people and other generations know of these truths. Amen.